Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Teaching Kindness, the Bullies Be Gone podcast, with yours truly, Nate Webb, the founder of Bullies Be Gone. Here on BBG, I go into all things kindness, bringing in guests and experts from all wakes of life. And we are all here for one reason and one reason only, to help you and your kids get over bullies, get off social media, and love your lives. So come on in and learn how to live in a world where kindness is king. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What is up, everybody? And welcome back. It is great to be at BBG. It's been a second. Do you feel like you just can't stand and fight life anymore? Like, I feel like there's so many people that are hitting rock bottom right now. They're scared because of the pandemic. They're scared because of the polarization in our nation right now. And a lot of us just feel our mental health is slipping. And resiliency is more and more hard to come by. Um, and our kids are really suffering. Well, today's episode, we bring in a giant in the youth advocate world. His name's Rob Eastman, aka the Tattooed Life Coach. This guy is a beast, and we're going to be tackling a lot of different issues within this episode, from screen addiction to bullying to addiction in general to resiliency. It's going to be so good. But first, gotta pay the bills. All right, everybody, we are back. Guys, I am so pumped for the show today. So guys, please welcome Rob Eastman, aka the Tattooed Life Coach, aka the owner of Eastman Fitness, aka founder of the Eastman Family Recovery Foundation, and aka head wrestling coach at Bountiful High and Mill Creek Junior High and host of the Stand and Fight podcast. Man, you got quite the resume, man. I, this guy's such a beast. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we linked up. Heck Appreciate yeah. you having me on. So first off, how the heck are you, man? I'm so happy to have you on. I'm doing good. It's uh, been a wild season of uh, with COVID and, and mental health and all of these things. So it's a never dull moment. Oh, I hear that. I hear that. So let's jump in. Um, let's hear your story a little bit. How did you end up in this space? You know, life coach, a speaker, podcaster uh, you're pretty busy how did you end up in this space yeah so young kid redhead on top of that big ears adhd um day one of elementary got bullied like crazy um got baptized in the mormon church and in my little eight-year-old mind that meant that uh, i wasn't going to be bullied anymore and that i was going to be good at math and that i'd be able to sit still in class and None of those things came to pass, so I felt like everybody was lying to me, and I didn't want to be here anymore, and so that's when I first started thinking about suicide and uh, lived a pretty dark life until hitting junior high and high school, got into uh, drugs and alcohol, and, and that took the pain away for a minute, and could fast forward through a lot of suicide attempts and, and uh, overdoses and, and years of absolute darkness that... Um, I found my way out and I feel like that was my college degree and what not to do and, <laughs> and felt like I had something to give back. And that was uh, to let people, they're not alone and, and uh, shine some light on that mental health taboo conversations and uh, stigma that's, that's going around here in Utah and, and sounds mm -hmm. like everywhere else in the world. Right. So oh my goodness. that was a kind of a no brainer for me. And, and uh, I think pure, Peer-to-peer -peer support is uh, far greater than any 
amount of schooling that goes on that people want to know they're not alone and that you can find your way out. So that's, uh, that's why I got in, you know, sports and athletics and, and things were the only thing I was ever good at. Mm. And I got out of rehab at 31 years old. My daughter was seven months old at the time. My wife picked me up from rehab, dropped me off at home and said, by the way, we're divorced. The bank came in about two weeks after that, took everything I owned. And then at nine months sober, my dad passed away. So I was like, oh, (laughs) it's like, if this this is what sobriety and and being mentally healthy looks like, (laughs) I don't don't want to do that. (laughs) So um, I just started doing a lot of self-study. I took some psychology classes and, and found that I had a gift of using fitness and, and life skills as a way to teach people how to do hard things in a safe environment. And uh, that was in 2009. Uh So September 1st of this year, I'll pick up 12 years clean and sober. And uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So I put in a lot of, a lot of man hours and behind the scenes and a lot of uh, first responder style uh, conversations and, and situations. And so um, I would, consider myself a guru in the mental health and, and youth mental health and, and addiction recovery space, man. Oof. To say you've been through it is a very big <laughs> understatement, my friend. Um, yeah. <laughs> you didn't just hit rock bottom. You like slammed through rock bottom and found the bedrock <laughs> beneath the rock bottom and kept going. Um, yeah. how, how on earth were you able to claw your way back up? I mean, how young, how young were, were you when you said that was the first time you contemplated suicide? Eight? Yeah, it was shortly after, probably third grade. Okay. I didn't and, know, you know, growing up in the 80s, you don't, we didn't have TV, we didn't have social media. I didn't even know that you could actually kill yourself. I just knew that I wanted to die. Oh my God. I didn't want to be there anymore. And then I remember sitting there watching an NFL game. And a news flash came up and it talked about one of the um, one of the linesmen or something got put on probation because he abused Ritalin. And I was like, I take a Ritalin. And that was the first time that I ever uh, knew that you could take things that you weren't supposed to and, and do that. So I probably, I think I was about 11 when this happened. I took a bunch of Ritalin and had a crazy experience, but. Um, I think, I think most redheads in general, but when I had a teacher make fun of me in, I think it was probably second grade, she told me to get up in front of the class. Why can't you sit still like everybody else? Take your medication and sit down. And the class just laughed at me. And at that point I was like, they must not have to take medication. So I'm not going to take medication. So that was that stubborn. I don't want to be different. I don't want to go see a doctor. Uh I'm not going to get help. But then the decision was as I got into my teens was I've got to do what I told my parents I would never do, which is drugs and alcohol, or uh, I need to kill myself. And, uh, and those were, were really the only two options I felt I had. I had some bad experiences in church and right. just felt like, you know, where everybody went to find their, their aha moment or whatever was usually a place that I felt uh, very judged and, and not a part of. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I remember that first time I I smoked weed, like all the pain went away and 
I was like, man, this, this, this really helps. And the one thing that the, that your buddies that do drugs don't tell you is that eventually that one smoke isn't going to work anymore. You need to do it twice. You need to do it three times. And eventually, no matter how much crap you put in your system, you're still going to hate yourself. Oh my gosh. So I had to learn the hard way and, and, uh, truly have no idea I do now, but you know, I had a divine intervention, if you will, um, when I was 31 that sent me to rehab and, uh, never looked back. Dang. So kind of rehab was that, that defining gonna 360 and, or 180 and <laughs> 180 and yeah. try and change my life. That rehab was that for you. Holy moly. Yeah, it was, it was the, the third rehab. <laughs> so it was like, you know, I just didn't get it. That pain, the suffering, the feeling less than, you know, alone in a room full of people still being bullied as an adult type of a deal. You know, ultimately I think a lot of us who get bullied end up usually being a bully. Oh yeah. Hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. So I came, became everything that I hated and that made the shame even more. And, and I'd hurt Mm. people I loved and that made the shame even more. And, Mm. you know, it's just a vicious cycle. So I felt like if we can give back, if we can share our stories if a little kid or a little a little boy or a little girl could see a muscly tattooed guy cry and share his story and let him know that it's okay to not be okay and that it's okay to get help, then maybe we can change some minds. I love that. I love that so much, man. Cause I feel there are so many kids out there that are hitting rock bottom day after day, especially after the last couple of years. And that for whatever reason, they just don't feel like they can keep going, you know, that they might because maybe bullying, maybe getting judged, whatever it may be, kids are hitting rock bottom all the time. How can we help the resiliency of our kids? You know, how can we help yeah. them get back on top? What are your thoughts there? I think it's, it starts in the home. Mm. Um, yes. Too many parents are overprotecting and underpreparing their children. Oof. Oof. Keep louder for those the in the wing. back. Too many parents are overprotecting and underpreparing. I love that. Put that on a t-shirt, man. Yeah. Oh. So uh, as we see in school, they're just not able to deal with much. You know, right. there's one, you know, I see you talk about social media a lot, things like that. Even in their downtime, they're receiving so much data and they don't really ever have downtime. They never shut it off. They need mm-hmm. something to soothe. They weren't allowed to self-soothe. They got a, an iPad thrown at them or, or some, we had a binky if that, <laughs> yep. or a good belt, a, a good slap to the back of the head. Um, and so these kids, they're developing the wrong skills, unfortunately, and it's not them. And on the other side of that is the technology is not going away. No so parents, parents need the update. We need to understand it better. We need to teach it better and not take it away because I see that a lot of kids, that's the only way they know how to communicate. So if you take that away, imagine how alone they feel. Oh yeah. If, if your kid already has social media, like there's no, there's no going back at this point. And like, before you give your kids social media, we need to be doing more education. We can't just have kids, supercomputers and expect things to go fine. Like we need to train them and educate them how to use these suckers so that they can use them in good ways and connect with it. I 100% agree with that. Oh my goodness. And I love what you're saying because 
parents, you need to let your kids feel their feelings. They need to experience anxiety. They don't have anxiety. Well, I hear kids say all the time, well, I have anxiety. I'm like, actually, no, you're experiencing anxiety and you don't like it. But that doesn't mean you have an anxiety disorder. Yeah. You just don't know how to handle anxiety because your emotions have been replaced with emojis <laughs> and you don't know exactly. how to handle it. Um, I love that. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So, like, I don't know. So, it's okay. So, we start in the home. Absolutely. Um, then what? Like, when the haters come knocking, how can, how can kids not allow that to totally crumble them? So for me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a girl dad. So if you knew me prior, you'd know I'm a fighter through and through. Um, I was a very scary individual. And in my mind, I was going to be that dad that just stood behind my daughter with a shotgun and flexed on her boyfriends and all these <laughs> things. That's, that's fine and dandy. But every time something happens to somebody, all we see is the aftermath. Mm-hmm. so I wanted her to know her worth as young as possible I didn't want it to be dictated by a girl in the hallway or a boyfriend or a teacher or anybody else mm-hmm. and the only way for kids to truly have confidence is by action is by trying things and failing doing hard things getting back up finding that resiliency as a little kid it's like how many parents quit doing what they loved because they had kids mm. it's like you, you like dirt biking? Well, put him on the front seat and take him for rides. You like hiking? You like running? Put him in a cart. Take him with you. It's a kid. They're going to do whatever you want to do. And if that becomes the norm, then that's how they're going to grow up. Wow. Like I see people at the rock climbing gym all the time with the baby sitting underneath the rope in the car seat. And then the older brother is like three years old with a full harness on and he's climbing just as much as dad is. It's like he'll have zero chance of a fear of heights. He'll understand risk and reward. It's like they put their lives on hold. They think that being a parent is a calling. It's like your job is to literally be an example and prepare them for what's really coming down the pipeline, not protect them from it. And just like we talked about before, so many people, oh man, the world's so crazy. I don't want my kid to blah, blah, blah. What happens when you're gone? Yes. You've got to give the kids the tools. But then it goes to the teachers, church leaders. So in psychology, they say at the age of 10, your parenting, you know, gold nugget wears off and then peer groups, teachers, coaches, and church leaders take over. So the problem I see being in the schools now is that teachers got a bad, it's it's not a fair deal. You've got a lot of helicopter parenting. You've got kids that are not equipped for the most basic skills needed to walk down the hallway. Oh yeah. And so, even, even worse than helicopter parents, we got like snowplow parents that they, they, they don't, they don't just, <laughs> they don't just swoop in and like save their kid. They, how dare you give my child a you, he missed three classes that he does not deserve. Ugh. I'm like, Oh my gosh, yeah. Karen. Oof, yeah. Yeah. It's like the it's uncle okay. Rico's right. Shock. So that's a whole, you know, I, I really believe that we should have like after school programs for parents or a pre-school year parenting class that they must pass, mm-hmm. that they must have sat through to understand, one, the importance of them acting right and being an example at home. Practice what you preach. Yes. Oh. Back off your teachers. Let them teach. Like, 
curriculum's one thing, but there's a lot of life skills and social skills that go into being in the classroom that you guys are getting your hands tied. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you're a robot regurgitating what's out of the book and fear that somebody's going to get you fired because you're, you have a personality. It's not yep. fair. Kids don't learn that way. Yeah. No. So it's a, that's a tough situation because even though, you know, they want you guys to do your job. Well, how can you do your job if they're not doing their job at home? Exactly. Oh, I love that. Um, now you mentioned you got bullied uh, so, so much while you were in school. I mean, redhead with ears, just the redhead alone. I mean, it, oh my gosh, so many jokes about redheads and then yeah. uh, everything, the world of a bullying of bullying, as you know, it's evolving so much and, yep. you know, social media, different places without, I mean, without proper training, it's kind of the breeding gap breeding grounds for bullies and trolls. And I mean, for your experience, how has social media affected the world that kids live in when it comes to that stuff? Well, I think when they're not equipped, it's the same as the loaded gun. Oof. Louder for those in the back. I completely agree. It's, you know, how many weapon. times do we hear somebody being told to go kill themselves and they go kill themselves? Yeah. Like not like, even joking. Yeah. It's uh. And, and I, I was just actually looking at your story and you're talking about yik yak or whatever it is, how many fake accounts, how many, like, as soon as that show catfish came out, that just gave people a whole bunch of ideas of what they can do. How easy is it to talk trash when nobody's going to know who it is? Oh, exactly. Like, that's dangerous. That is it, dangerous. And yeah, if, again, if a, if a kid doesn't know their worth or is looking to social media for that, pity party or somebody to pat them on the back and they don't get that Mm -hmm. we all know how that ends up oh yeah well i think that's the thing there's a lot of kids that are caught up trying to be accepted by a certain crowd that they kind of lose sight of who they are they want to be cool so bad but they totally lose sight of of who they are and who they want to be like what would you say to those kids that are struggling with that yeah i spent that's a huge when i go speak i talk about wearing masks I wanted to be a part of something so bad that that's exactly what happened. I became everything you wanted me to be. And I figured if I was friends with every group, then nobody would bully me. So I'd go through the day pretending all these different actors throughout the day. And I would go home, know I was a fraud and feel exhausted because mm. I felt like, what if they really found out who I was? Nobody would like me. I uh, hate me. Uh. So you're living in fear all the time that what did I tell? What did I tell Scott? What did I tell Jamie? What did I tell? Like, what if they see me with this group? It's exhausting. If you can't Mm -hmm. love yourself, if you can't learn to sit for 20 minutes quietly by yourself, then you have bigger problems. Yeah. And I think it comes down to that self-love and self-awareness that you'll find your right tribe of people Mm -hmm. if you're your true authentic self. But we, another problem is we don't teach that in school. No No more social studies. There's no more compassion, love, meditation. Like they're missing a huge, they're test, 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 test. Guess what? Half these kids are not going to be surgeons. No, they're going to be plumbers. They're going to be welders. They're going to be construction workers. And I think we're just, man, it's, it's really tough when you're not taught how to pay attention to your, you you take notes all day of other stuff that you'll never care about, but you don't Mm -hmm. even keep a journal of your own emotions. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about soft skills, but soft skills can be the hardest dang thing on this earth um, because they're not being taught. I mean, as a school counselor in the schools, 
I mean, I'm an advisor over the hope squad and like trying to do so much more of these things that just aren't being done like they used to. And I, kids, kids need these things. Like a lot of kids are like, do I need to take psychology for graduation? And I'm like, for graduation? No, for life? Yes. (laughs) Because that's the closest thing to social skills class that you're going to have. Oh yeah. And I I love what you said, because I feel like we are all wearing masks. We are, so many people are doing things that make them miserable, being someone who they're not just to impress a group of people they don't even like. And it's like, dude, just be you. Like your vibe will attract your tribe. You're going to find people that make you happy if you just be you. Um, gosh, yeah. So as, as parents, what can we do to help our kids end their mental health? It's got to start at the home. What are your top best practices for kids and parents to help with that resiliency? You know, fill us in, man. <laughs> yeah. So how old are you? I'm 27, 28. Okay, so you, 28. you probably didn't, you probably did not grow up like I did. We got to get back to the village raising the kid. Um, mm. Parents need to get out of their own way. They need to quit wearing hats that they're not capable of wearing. Mm. If they suck at something, they need to not teach it to their kids. So if one's struggling with bad mental health and you don't, and I do, and I live around the corner, let me take him to get an ice cream. Let me go and have a real heart to heart with him. Be the, the uncle that's not blood or the big brother or the grandpa. Like I had like three grandparents on my road alone and 10 uncles who were more than happy to tell me I was acting up. And my dad would back them up. But these days you don't even know your neighbor two doors down and mm. ain't nobody telling my kid nothing. Man. And that's not like, let other people help. I love that. You gotta let other people help. I love that. Parents know, know yourselves, know your weaknesses and let other people help you places where you, where you struggle at, you know, get a friend who's strong in that area. We, we, it takes a village. I, oh my gosh. I love this so much. Ah, uh, our kids and, you know, keep going, keep going. Yeah. Well, with the, and then there's a lot of single parents and there's a lot of terrible co-parenting. Mm-hmm. We got to let your ego go. Like I've got a, one of my po- top podcasts is the co-parenting one that I did with my ex-wife and her husband. And there was a moment there that she used my daughter as ammo. I was a dick. I was mad that I wasn't the guy raising my daughter. Like all these things, this is what it is. Like we have the best relationship now and where i fall short they add up and and vice versa and for single parents a great way to have a free babysitter is get them involved in school activities yep. get them on a team if you can't afford it reach out to me i have a foundation that can help put kids through those things um but there's there's so many resources but people feel they're failing if they ask for help mm. and they, they're really failing by not boom Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes, man. All of this has been so amazing. Just thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Um, parents, parents, please love your kids louder than the internet can hate them. You got to build that self. You got to build that self-esteem a little bit for them, build that foundation for them. Cause it needs to start at the home so that when those people come, when those haters come around the corner, that, it, that their words hold no weight because they know who they are. They know they are loved and they are strong and that they will always be enough. And also, like we're saying today, if you suck at something, <laughs> get a friend, somebody that doesn't suck at that thing. 
if you need help, get that help for your kid because it, it's worth it. They need that. Um, so Rob, thank you so much for everything. How can people see what you're doing, man? Shameless plug time. Let's hear it. Yeah. So the, the easiest where I'm most active is on Instagram at tattooed life coach, the number eight. You can also check out my podcast, Stand and Fight. It's on all major uh, platforms. And then my website is tattooedlifecoach.com. And then I'll, I always have uh, programs going at my gym um, that's Eastman Fitness and Wellness in Centerville. So there you um, go. I do speaking engagements, whatever. So uh, churches, schools, I love getting involved in my community. Um, and Tooele, I don't know what it is about those more rural areas, but the communities are different. You guys have to have each other's backs yep. and, uh, and really take care of each other. Yep. I, have a, I have a soft spot in my heart. I'm a farmer out here in Farmington. Yep. Um, and uh, I appreciate that culture. So yeah, absolutely, man. Love it. And all of those links, all those websites and links and social media that will be in the podcast description. So go check him out. He is amazing. Um, and for you, if you want to get your daily dose of positivity, go and follow me at bulliesbe.gun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Come on back next week for another great one. And if you want me at your school, church, or event, email me, which is in the description. And always remember, you are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight-second one, a eight-second hug, and we'll see you on the next one.